All right, Justin, sing me a song about becoming a god and experiencing all time simultaneously and it causing a disconnect with your previous humanity. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, Damn. I said that with an actual song in mind and really? you failed. There's actually two songs you could have done that would have been acceptable. You could have done I Am a God by Kanye West. Ah. Or What If God Was One of Us. Ah. I would have accepted either one of those. That's a good one. Because the second one. What if God was Yeah, yeah. that's a good one. Even yeah. though it's not exactly what I asked for, it still fits weirdly, and you'll, you would know what I'm talking about. If you watched what this episode is about, God, I'm the king of segues, because we're talking about HBO's Watchmen. <laughs> Let's cue up that theme song. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I am Sterling, and I am joined by Justin, and we are discussing HBO's The Watchmen miniseries. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with that. And we'll do a little section at the beginning, um, spoiler-free, just kind of giving our in-general thoughts about it. We'll give our scores and recommendations, and then we'll go a little bit more spoiler-heavy after all that. And I'll put time codes in the description so that way you guys can know when to stop or, you know, anything like that. Or if you go and watch it and then come back, you know exactly where to go to start it. Um, I guess we'll kind of... I'm going to do a little bit like we did with Star Wars real quick, though, just because I do kind of want to give, um, like, a little brief synopsis on my feelings about the Watchmen uh, in general before the TV series. Um, I was a huge fan of the comics. Uh, I, yes, did not read them when they came out. I was, I don't even think I was born then or either then was way too small to grasp what the fuck the Watchmen was. But I mean, later on in my life, you know, I, I very much, you know, fell in love with the Watchmen. It's, it's one of those things like when you grow up on superheroes and reading superhero comics and then you read the Watchmen and it's one of the most anti-superhero things you could ever fucking read. But at the same time, still kind of a love letter to superheroes in a weird way. It's it's just a very, very magical thing. And, you know, and this is one of the things I kind of dislike about The Watchmen is it's it's very hard to describe to people really what it is if you're not a comic book reader. And... Mm. You know what I mean? It's just, it's very hard to put into words what it is to somebody that doesn't read comics. And, you know, then the, the Watchmen movie came out, Zack Snyder's The Watchmen. When it came out, I was a huge fan of it for being just picturesquely almost identical to the comics. It took out a lot of the stuff that wouldn't translate well to the screen. Um, like the random sections of it that are an, a comic book within a comic book. The one of the kids is reading in the original yeah. Watchmen. And then you get you get pages of that in the uh, um, book in the comic. You get pages of this other comic that wouldn't really translate well to screen. I get that, and I kind of understood. Well, at the time, I kind of understood them not doing the squid at the end of the comics. Now I know that's a spoiler for the comics, unfortunately. But 
At this point, I don't know what to tell you. If you're listening to a Watchmen episode and you don't know about a fucking squid at the end of those comics, I kind of don't know what the fuck you're doing with your life. You've just got really weird priorities if you're listening to this and you don't know what happens at the end of the comics. I understand if you haven't watched the, the TV show yet, but if you haven't read the comics, I'm a little, I'm a little worried for you, actually. Um, but at the time, I understood them taking it out. And, I mean, because it reminded me a lot of Sin City. Because Sin City is just a comic book put on a movie screen. It really is. The first one. A Dame to Kill for kind of sucks. Yeah. But that first Sin City is a fucking comic book on a, on a fucking movie screen, and it's amazing. And then, I'm not going to lie, I've, over time, uh, actually seeing other comic book movies kind of made me realize, to me at least, how soulless the Watchmen movie was. Like, visually speaking, it was, you know, pretty much the Watchmen comic, but it didn't have the soul Whereas now a lot of comic book movies, at least with Marvel, and I think DC's slowly getting there, not with the Joker, but other movies they've done recently, they've realized if you get the soul of the comic, you can change the details. And mm -hmm. the Watchmen movie was the opposite. It nailed the details, but had none of the soul. It was just a purely visual, you know, facsimile of the Watchmen. And it really kind of made me sad because I really did like that movie. And then I went back and rewatched it, and I'm like, oh, it's not the same anymore. I need to go back and do that myself. And do you also think that's kind of a Snyder problem? Because I could say the same thing about Batman versus Superman. A lot of detail, like that, that with that you said, a lot of details, but no soul. I mean, I, I mean, I, I could say that about that too. I don't know if it's, uh, I wonder if that's kind of a pattern in his directing. Uh, you wouldn't. I don't think you'd be wrong on that. I think 300 comes a little closer because I think three, 300 actually, to me, does have a little bit of the soul of the comic. Um, yeah, yeah. But, it, yeah, Watchmen doesn't. And then you watch something like Sucker Punch, and I kind of feel it's the same way. It's a visual masterpiece. It truly is. Sucker Punch is one of the best-looking movies you'll ever see, hands down, top to bottom. A visual masterpiece, but it is the most shallow and soulless and empty movie you'll ever fucking watch. And I, and, and maybe that is what it is with 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 Zack Snyder. You know, he'll he'll give you a visual masterpiece. And I I still say this to this day. I still think Zack Snyder is the best casting director ever. I know people didn't like Jesse Eisenberg in Batman versus Superman, and I don't think that's a casting problem. I think that that was a writing problem with that character because I think Jesse Eisenberg acted the fuck out of what he was given. And I think, I truly believe that I've just, I've never felt like he miscast a role. I've always thought they were good, you know, and I could see that. Yeah, I just, and I, and I think the Watchmen is very indicative of that. I think the Watchmen is cast impeccably when, you know, if you've got Jackie Earl Haley as Rorschach and Patrick Wilson as, uh, Night Owl, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, even for a small amount, as uh, as the comedian. Um, I think they're all fantastic with what they do. But like I said, it's just, it's so empty. So damn empty. And and I'll end my section of this with, with this next statement is, I think that's kind of what, and this is a slight spoiler for the TV series, not specifically for the TV series, but foreshadowing about what I'm going to kind of say coming up about it specifically is I think that's what made me love this TV series so fucking much is visually it's very Watchmen 
it's very Watchmen visually, but holy fuck, more than anything, it feels so much like the comics. And it's not the comics at all. It, this is a brand new, wholly original story taking place like, what, 30 years after the comics? And yeah. it feels so much like this just starts on like issue 13 of the comics. It's like if they did an issue 13 and it's all 30 years later and it was this, this miniseries, I would 100% believe that because holy fuck, did I love this miniseries. Uh, what about you, Justin? What, what are your feelings about the Watchmen in general real quick? Well, for me, I believe that um, my first experience with the Watchmen was I, I believe it was either you or Devin. I, I want to say one of you, you this. suggested it was that Devin. I read. I want to say no, it was it you. was Devin, but he gave you my copy of the the collection. Yeah, I was I was about to say I definitely <laughs> read your copy, but I couldn't remember. Yeah, it was yours, but I couldn't remember who. And I want to say my gateway into that. It was interesting that you mentioned Sin City because I believe you told you you gave me Sin City first. And I read that. And I don't know if that was maybe you two testing the waters to see, okay, if he likes this kind of stuff, then maybe he'll like Watchmen. And I mean, I read that Sin City like quick. I remember I read it so incredibly fast. And you guys were surprised. Like, you already finished all the books. And I, I remember being you being like, yeah, man, I loved it, man. It was really gritty. It was cool. It was, it felt like really real i love the characters i liked marv i like this i like that and you guys were like okay well then maybe he would get down on some watchmen and you guys just and i mean Devin just really really put it over um it, just how good it was and everything like that and for those i don't know if i need to say this or not but for new written listeners Devin is also part of cinema slayers he does videos on our uh on our Facebook page and everything like that. He does impression videos and he's done some episodes, um, recordings with us. So in case you're like, who the hell is this Devin guy? <laughs> that's who that is. But, um, and he's been our friend for years. So that's who that is. But, um, no, he was the first one to really just put Watchmen over. And then you gave me the book to read. And honestly, I was blown away. It, it was just, so interesting and it was just such a different take because to me alan it was almost like alan moore was saying okay what if i took some of these tropes some of these vigilante superhero tropes but i applied them to the real world how would these people really be what would be some issues that a person like this would run into and i think he looked uh, i almost want to think he looked at characters like Batman or Superman or people like that. And he was like, man, I think that these people would be assholes. I think that some of these people would not be the best people. They would be arrogant. They would probably, I mean, I think that some of these people would, you, you know, and I think that some of these people would have a warped sense of justice or their philosophies would not always be correct, but then you would have some that would stick to their guns and no matter what the situation was, but it may not always be something that I would agree with. I just got the feeling that Alan Moore looked at some of these characters and went, would they be as clean and as, you know, um, what, what, how would this person really be? If you apply real real world situations, real world scenarios to it. 
So I think that ha- that must have been his thought process uh, going in. And you know more about Alan Moore. I know you've read some of his interviews and things like that. So I'd be interested to know just what you know about where he drew some of his inspiration. But it always just felt like that to me. Um, like he put Dr. Manhattan in the sit in, in that war situation where he's actually helping us during during the war, or just some of the things that would come up, like with the comedian, and then there was like uh the whole sexual harassment thing, and comedian gets his ass beat. Like there's just a lot of things in Watchmen that feel like just stuff that you didn't really see, or at least I didn't really see in comic books like Batman or Superman or anything, you weren't going to find shit like that. And so that was the first thing that really just blew me away about the Watchmen. And when the film came out, I don't know if it was because, like you said, just a love for that story, just a love for the comic books and everything like that. Sometimes, man, when you go into these things as a fanboy, you just really want it to work. Like, like sometimes you let your biases set in and you want to enjoy it so bad that sometimes you will just enjoy it and you won't see all the flaws and you won't see everything wrong with it until you go back and take another look. So you said you rewatched the film. I, I would actually be very interested to see what my thoughts would be, because I haven't um, rewatched it since the first time I watched it. And I don't know, maybe just saying that might be all that there is to say about it. Like, why haven't I gone back and watched that? I've gone back and watched the first Sin City. I've gone back and watched every Marvel movie. I've gone back and watched the Batmans, like even the terrible ass ones. Uh, you know, the, but the first two Batman, I've watched those several times over, uh, the, the Dark Knight trilogy, I've watched it over. Why haven't I gone back to Watchmen? So I don't know, man, maybe that is indicative of what you're saying, you know, that, that makes me wonder why haven't I gone back? Maybe I didn't like it as much as I remember, or maybe I saw it once and, I just that the once was enough because maybe it wasn't there wasn't enough so to it just like you said, but but yeah th- those would be some of my uh, early experiences and my fondest uh, memories of Watchmen and so like you said and this is kind of me precursoring I guess too to what we're going to talk about but I think that's why going into this series I was open for what it was going to get me I was excited to see what they would do with this. I felt like after the success of so much comic book stuff and the fact that it was on HBO, that was a big selling point for me. When I saw that HBO was doing this, I was like, oh shit, they can have all the, they can have some raunchy content. They can have Dr. Manhattan walking around naked and not giving a damn like HBO is going to do this shit. Oh, they're they're going to really do it justice. I just had the utmost confidence going in. Oh, yeah. And I mean, in, in, as a last little thing before we get into the TV series, uh, I want to talk about Alan Moore real quick about his thoughts with a lot of this stuff is Alan Moore is staunchly, staunchly against anything being made of the Watchmen outside of the comics. He doesn't even like the idea that the comic characters are used in other comics. Um, he very much kind of wrote the Watchmen to be almost impossible to be made into something else. 
And I'm not going to lie, he did a damn good job of that because it took, what, like 30 years or, I mean, 20-something years yeah, before anybody even realistically took a shot at it. And even then, they had to change it. They got rid of the giant squid mm-hmm. at the end of it. And then it's it's another 10 years until somebody had the balls to put the fucking gigantic squid on, t- you know, on a screen uh, yeah, with it. And but he's staunchly, staunchly against it. Like he thinks it's the he he's about that with all of his comics though, all of them. V for Vendetta, uh, even even fucking Swamp Thing, which he wrote. If you're if you if you ever want to know why diehard comic book fans view Swamp Thing as a great character, go read Alan Moore's run on Swamp Thing because it's one of the most legit fucking things you'll ever read. And so it's things like that. It's. He's so fantastic at taking characters that have no business being interesting and making them some of the most deep and satisfying to read characters ever. And but when it comes specifically to this Watchmen miniseries, uh, you know, David Lindelof was Zack Snyder was actually attached to it originally, and he got dumped, and David Lindelof came on, and if you don't know, he's the guy also behind Lost, and. You know, somebody talked to Alan Moore in an interview or something like that about him doing it. And he was like, oh, it's, you know, it's stupid. Who the fuck would do that? And all this other stuff. And David Lindelof in an interview after that was like, look, Alan Moore, I love you. Like, I love the Watchmen. It's one of, you know, it shaped my life. It's very important to me. But fuck you, I'm going to do this. And to me, I should have known from that moment that this was going to be fantastic. Because... I'm not going to lie. That's the most Alan Moore fucking thing you could say. Like when you're faced with that, I was like, no, he's fucking channeling Alan Moore. He fucking gets it. Like, yeah, you know, and he had something to prove now. Now it's not just a project. Now it's, he has something to prove. You know, he wants to show that, look, man, I can do this. I can tell, um, uh, I can do a story. And still do what you did, what you the groundwork that you laid. I can still do that justice while telling my own story. So now he's a he's a creator with something to prove. So yeah, that's yeah. Wow, I did not know that. No wonder it just feels like, like no wonder everything just feels like it was done with a purpose. No wonder. Yeah. And just like the fact that he said it like that, I'm just like, nah, he gets it. This motherfucker just gets it. Like, he understands what the Watchman is. If he's going to say that to Alan Moore. Like, I know he didn't say it to his face, but you know what I mean? Like, the fact that he's willing to say that. I'm like, all right, no, this guy's got it. Because everybody else is just like, you know, oh, uh, I, you know, I, I don't like that Alan Moore thinks that. But, you know, I really think I'm going to do a good job with this. And I really hope Alan Moore watches it and he likes it. You know, like, that's everybody else with it. And David Lindelof's like, I don't give a fuck. I am making this, and it's going to be awesome. Alan Moore cannot watch it, and I still don't give a fuck because I know I'm right. And it's just like that. I don't want to say punk rock attitude because I hate it when people say that. But fuck, that's a punk rock attitude, if there ever was one. <laughs> and no, he's fucking great. Um, Yeah, no, let's go. Let's let's get uh, let's get into this little little mini series here real quick. Um. I actually, I, I want to start this off. I don't typically do this, but sure. I really want to start this. Just spoiler-free real quick. Um, fuck, this is great. It's it's just one of the best and most refreshing things I've seen in TV in a long time. I mean, it was so good at bringing in brand new characters with a little smattering of original Watchmen characters and just 
interweaving it so completely that I find myself having a hard time remembering that these aren't actual Watchmen characters in this story. I mean, when you've got, what's his name? The mirror mask guy, Looking Glass, and, and Angela, and... Looking Glass, yeah. yeah. Looking Glass, and, and, uh, and Angela, and, and her husband, Cal, and... Uh, fuck, I don't remember his name, but old guy in a wheelchair, played by Louis Gossett Jr. Um, I mean, even... Will Reeves. Yes, yes, and even, uh, what's his name? Don Johnson's Good character. Justice. Yes, and, and Don Johnson's character in it and stuff like that. Like, they're so fucking fantastic. They 100% feel like Alan Moore wrote those characters. They are so good. And on top of that, this movie or this this miniseries took something that I didn't know was a real thing. I did not know the Tulsa Massacre was a real thing. I thought that this is something that the TV show made up. But it makes sense that it's a real thing because the history of the Watchmen is kind of an alternate America but it's only an alternate America from the 1970s on. So anything before the 1970s would have to be the real history of the world. Like would have to be something real. And it just never, it didn't click until after the, like towards the end of the TV show's run that I found out that that was a real thing. And it blew my fucking mind because I'm like, how the fuck have we not heard about this? This is insanity. Yeah. And just to say something about that, cause there's a great, uh, David Lindelof's story about that. And actually, this is something, if you haven't heard this, Sterling, you should check out. I know we don't normally plug other podcasts, but Kevin Smith has a podcast, Fat Man on Black, uh, Fat Man on Batman. And his co-host, Mark Bernardin, uh, did an interview with David Lindelof. And he was talking about uh, why he put that in. And, and just like you, how you were fascinated to find out that that was real and something that really happened. He was actually reading uh, a book um, by, and the, and the author, oh man, the name escapes me, but he was reading, um, this guy had wrote an article called The, the Argument for Reparations. Um, and this is kind of what inspired all this stuff uh, in The Watchmen. And so, and he talked about that, that Tulsa massacre of 1921. And Lindelof was so fascinated by that story. And it, it was like he said he was fascinated, but at the same time, he was ashamed that he didn't know about it. And he felt like that was like not only a failure of him, but a failure of our education. Why didn't we know about this? Why wasn't this something that was taught? And after sharing it with other people, and he was just so like just intrigued by that. And the fact that that happened, he was like, I'm going to put this in the story. I'm going to find a way. And he used a good term. I'm going to find a way to Trojan horse this into the Watchmen story because he just felt like that was something that everyone should know about. And then just from that, it inspired other ideas that from that kind of came this idea of how he wanted to tell Hooded Justice story and everything. And I don't want to get into all that yet. I'm sure we'll get there. But yeah, I just thought I'd put that in there. Yeah, I heard that interview and he talked about that, how, where he got that and how that inspired him. So I just wanted, uh, thought this was a good time to throw that in. And that's, and that's incredibly fascinating because I'm not going to lie. He did an impeccable job of tying that into this story because as much as, you know, he used the word Trojan horse, I don't feel like it is. I felt like he, he weaved it in so intricately Yeah. that, like I said, I thought it would, didn't, I didn't think it was real. You know what I mean? Cause it was so masterfully woven into this story. And 
Like it, because Trojan horse makes me feel a little bit like you'd be shoehorned in. And that's just not what this was. This was not shoehorned in. This was just fucking in it and fucking great. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 I loved that uh, in it. Um, and I, without getting into specifics either, just yet, towards the end of this season, it has some of the best episodes I have ever seen on television with anything. I mean, when you find out the history of the Hooded Justice, it went so close to doing these tropes that would make it feel stale and make it feel boring and repetitive and just unnecessary. And it got so close to that, but was handled with such care and finesse and thought that it never crossed that line and ended up being one of the most fantastic things I have ever witnessed on a television. And it was just, it's, and I know I say this a lot, or I have been recently with some of the acting performances we've talked about, but that was a fucking masterclass on how to do flashbacks in a fucking TV show. Like, it nailed it perfectly. And I understand they wrote essentially a MacGuffin into the story as to how they could introduce it like that. And I understand not all television story, you know, could do that. But just how intricately and, and like I said, thoughtful, like thoughtfully, it told that story is what really made it work and made it be so fucking effective. And yeah, it was just, it was utterly fucking fantastic. Um, the way it did some of the twists towards the end was also fucking great. Like, it was just one of those things that, like, you know, we've had other fucking TV shows and TV series. You know, they've all done twists. I mean, we made it through Game of Thrones. We know some fucking twists and shit. But I think the things that made them a little bit better in The Watchmen is that they were so subtle. And they were so... And they were clean. They were clean twists. Like, if you had really paid attention to some shit, it made sense. And you shouldn't have been surprised by it. And I think that that's what made them more satisfying is that after the twist happened and you thought about it, you know, for a little bit, you were just like, oh, they were telling me that the whole fucking time. Oh, that's fucking great. And then when they would go back in like another episode and they would kind of explain some of it leading up to it, you're like, oh, that's fucking great. It felt so good. And in Jeremy Irons as Ozzy Mendoz, bravo. I fucking loved him as that character. Absolutely killed it. Oh, yeah. He was just utterly fucking fantastic like beginning to end like and this is this isn't a spoiler but it's a very specific scene and out of context it will make no sense and i think that's why i could say this is there's a scene with ozzy mendoz where essentially he farts for like 15 seconds straight and to me the great thing about that scene wasn't the silliness of it because i that, that type of humor really doesn't connect with me but what connected with me was the fact that you had jeremy irons doing it and, like, he had this, like, haphazard earnestness to him in that scene. And, which played well into wh- why that was happening with Ozzy Mendez and, and the dismissiveness that he had for the situation. And that just made it work so fucking good. Like, that's what I really ended up appreciating about that scene is just how Jeremy Irons played it. And I loved that we got to see that slight bit of Jeremy Irons overacting because... I don't think anybody in the in, in Hollywood can overact as well as Jeremy Irons can. Because if you ever want to see an expert example on how to completely overact for an entire movie, go watch Jeremy Irons in the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Because everyone else is barely acting at all. And then you have Jeremy Irons there acting at like 627%. 
he chews <laughs> everything up in the most glorious of ways. And he's the only thing watchable in that movie. And it's just because he is so over the top that it's ridiculous and amazing. It's phenomenal to watch. And he does elements of that in this movie. But they fit him so well in this movie. That is such an Ozzy Mendoz thing to do. Yeah. And the great and the great thing about him was that just and not to give anything away, but the whole time you're you're getting these kind of uh, scenes with him and you, you're not sure where he is. All of this makes sense later, but you're not quite sure where he is. You're, and he's doing all of these things. And I mean, sometimes my reaction was, what the hell is going on? with with Ozzy Mendes right now like what is he doing and like you just all of these things are happening and you're just like and sometimes you are just really like WTF when his scenes come on but they're just so great and like you said he's just so uh convincing and he and you can just tell he's having a blast doing this and you roll with it and then and then uh, oddly enough even though the scenes the scenes seem eccentric and odd and you're like what the fuck and you're trying to figure out what the hell is he doing and then and you're not quite sure but it all makes sense when you get to the end and that was the great thing about his scenes because it would be such an abandonment from like the main storyline we were looking at, but the way it all comes together is just beautiful. Oh yeah. And, 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 and my favorite thing in this TV series though, is it's Regina King. Like, holy fuck was she amazing from beginning to end. Just perfection on a fucking screen. I loved her so much in this. And, and also kudos to, to Lindelof also for this. Cause, oh man, he wrote an amazing character for her. And it was just this perfect alchemation of you have this character written and you have this actor that found a way to perfectly embody that character from beginning to end. That was just, it really was a joy to watch that uh, for these nine episodes. Because, yeah, she was definitely my favorite uh, character that they introduced. Um, but what about you? Uh, what's your spoiler-free, you know, impressions on The Watchmen? Well, for me, um, yes, easily... This was one of my favorite watches as far as shows um, for 2019. And I think that you could argue that if it's not the best, it's probably the best comic book anything to come out this year. Just as far as the, the, the consistency of it, how the story all comes together, everything like that. I really think it is like, and and I know that there was backlash when it first started, and there are people that just, you know, decided to hate it before they actually watched it. But from what I understand, people are coming around. More people are watching it or wound up saying they like the show by the time they got to the end of it. So that's interesting, too. Some of the stuff, some of the reactions I saw um, online and everything. But no, I thought that this was, uh, if it's not the best, you, it would be hard to argue that something was better than it as far as comic book content that came out in 2019. And and yeah, I mirror what you said about it having some of the best episodes. I mean, that Hooded Justice episode, I can't wait to talk about that uh, spoilery in, in some detail. But yes, that was a magnificent episode. Uh, 
the the episode that involves Dr. Manhattan. I mean, not to get into it, but just how it delves into Dr. Manhattan and how it visually shows how he thinks and what he's doing and his motives and different things like that. It was just so Watchmen. Like it was everything that I remember about that character. And it, and sometimes I think uh, to adapt that character to the screen is sometimes difficult and you don't and it's and he's a difficult character like like you were saying earlier sterling how sometimes the content of watchmen is hard to explain to people who have never seen it or anything like that you're trying to explain this character or what this person is or how he thinks or whatever but this did such a magnificent job in that episode of just kind of capturing exactly what dr manhattan is i, I just thought that was another triumph episode um in this series so yeah i mean when you couple that you've got wonderful characters uh and like you said just the performances man uh like you said with mr irons i mean he was just wonderful uh and regina king was a a big surprise to me like i've always respected uh, regina as an actor but to my knowledge she's never done anything like this like like this is just i'm trying to think of something she's done that is even remotely close to this and i can't r really think of anything so you you know when i saw that she was in it i was like oh she's a good actress so of course i didn't doubt her but i really was like man this is gonna be kind of interesting to see her be in a role like this but after seeing what this was about and after seeing uh how the 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 story is just so expertly told and how it's crafted this was this angela character is the perfect character for this i mean the way she's introduced how her history and story interweaves into uh, th these events and what happened and her tie into all of the other characters, how they bring it all together is just great. And she was the right main character for this. Just, I loved watching her journey and all in all, th th this just lets me know that, th th that it is possible, man, that, that this is possible. I, I remember B being excited for this whenever we were talking about Avengers Endgame and what it meant and everything like that. And I remember going, man, you know, I'm excited for what is to come because th this, because of this, we're going to get more good things. And I talked about like the Netflix stuff with Daredevil and stuff like that. And I was like, Watchmen is coming out and that could very well be good too. And now here we are all this time later and I can say this was excellent. And so this makes me even more excited for what now we could potentially get. So hopefully if the recession for this is good and people continue to watch it and as the reputation of it being great continues to grow, that means we could get more stuff like this. This means that maybe now we might be open to seeing some extended stories about some graphic novels or about some of our superheroes. Maybe we can have a continuation of something just like this was, and it'd still be great. And you still capture the essence of what the original author and the original illustrators left, uh, uh, left behind. So I think that all in all, I thoroughly 
enjoyed this. I, I did. I, I enjoyed it the whole time. Like you said, it, it captures the soul of the comic book, but yet it tells its own story and tells an interesting story. And I'm not going to lie, me being a me being a black person, man, I appreciated especially just all of the 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 the, the black love that was in here, the 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 stuff about uh, raising that awareness about uh, Tulsa 1921 and just allowing for people to be educated on that and have that conversation. I loved the, 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 the stuff about, and I won't say too much about it, but just some of the government policies, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, uh, more in the spoiler section. I won't get too much into it, but just some of the stuff it did with government policies and how and kind of this idea of if the shoe was on the other foot, so to speak, how would America look? How would people react? What would racist people do? What lengths would they go to? Like all of these things are in there, even just kind of the the, the whole thing of what would it be like for a black person to experience their ancestors struggles back then? And that just gave me all kinds of feelings. And I mean, we'll get into specifics later, but man, that gave me all kinds of feelings like, oh my God, what would I think after experiencing the memories of someone like that? Like, what would I think? Like, how would it make me see the world? So I just loved all of those real world tie-ins because, uh, you you could just see how it would work, how those things and those political undertones at the time and what was going on at the time and the, and the whole racial divide that's existed in this country, you could see how it could produce some of the things that that. Um, that that Watchmen that this show produces in its fantasy, uh, you know, when you're seeing these things happen, you're just like, man, I could see this happening. I could see people reacting this way. I could see this being something that would happen. And so I just really appreciated all of that, just on uh, on that level, and also just uh, how well it was acted and how well that it was scripted. So what about you? What's your recommendation score on this? All right. So do I recommend it? Yes. If you didn't give this a try for whatever BS reason or something like that, or you just weren't sure, or maybe you were on the fence, give this a try. Become part of the conversation. And I don't think you'll be sorry. I mean, this is this was a story worth telling. And it's so well acted and it's so well crafted. And like you said, there are twisted turns when it comes to the end of this. I mean, I just don't see how you could watch this and not enjoy it. Um, and I think that even if you're not a person who's a fan of Watchmen, because that's another thing, too. You got to think about people who aren't comic book nerds. I think that this is something that you could watch and they do a good enough job for you to at least grasp the story on its own. Yes, there are returning characters and there are things like that, the characters that have history, but they do a good enough job to say, oh, look, this character 
has done some things before or this character has some history so i feel like even if you're a first time watcher they give you enough for you to be able to follow the story this isn't one of those things where it's like if i haven't read the comic i'm just gonna feel let left out yes having that comic perspective will help but i think that this is a great story even if you haven't experienced that so yeah i i, I give it the highest recommendation i can and i'm going to give this 95 uh squids falling from the sky hitting people in the face out of 100 uh watch this watch this watch this watch the watchman um yeah no watch the fuck out of this I've actually watched this entire series twice already, and it was great. I mean, it it takes a lot to make me not wait to watch something to just binge it at this point. Uh, the last thing that truly was able to do that completely uh, was Game of Thrones. And uh, then, yeah, now this show. Uh, I, I was late to it because I was just going to binge it. But I kept hearing so many things about it. And I was like, all right, fuck it. Let me watch the first episode. And the next thing I know, I'd watched like the first four. And I'm like, oh, no, now I have to wait. And I did. And I waited and I watched the next episode. And then I just watched it every, you know, every week when they came out. And they did such a good job of rewarding you for just waiting a week to watch the newest episode. It was just so fucking good. Like, I mean, I still haven't watched The Mandalorian yet. Because I was like, oh, I was waiting for it to end. And now it ended. And I'm like, well, I'll get to it eventually. I'll just binge it all. But no, just The Watchmen was so fucking fantastic. I think if you're a comic book fan, especially of The Watchmen comics, it will, it will reward you in a very special way. I feel like if you're just a TV fan, you should watch it. Because it will reward you in such a special way. Up until this point, up until The Watchmen, I thought The Boys was the best comic book thing to come out this year. Because The Boys is very much a spiritual child of The Watchmen. It's very much what would happen if superheroes were actually in the world. With legitimate superpowers. Everyone in The Watchmen, or everyone in The Boys has superpowers. So, whereas The Watchmen, pretty much only Dr. Manhattan has powers. But then The Watchmen came out. And holy fuck. I don't want to say it blew The Boys out of the water. Because The Boys, like this... And I'm doing a mini review of it real quick in like two sentences. Um, really captures the soul of the comics. It changes some things. Uh, it changes some major things. The way the first season of The Boys ended is miles away from the comics. As in, it's the exact opposite of the comics. But they made it feel like the comics when they did it. It's still, even at that moment when that's happening, it still feels like the comics. And holy fuck did it make me excited for a season two. Whereas with The Watchmen, this was always apparently meant to be a nine-episode miniseries. A lot of people call it season one, and it's not technically season one because no one's saying they're going to do a season two. And it's not HBO saying that because HBO is more or less like, hey, if you want to do it, we will do a season two. It's pretty much up to Lindelof right now. And his intention was always to do a miniseries. And I think one of the best things about this miniseries is that if this is all we get these nine episodes and it never goes to a season two. I still think it's fucking fantastic. It ends on a slight cliffhanger that could lead into a season two, but if it doesn't go there, I'm still satisfied. And I think that speaks to how well this was done Where if this is all we get, I still think it holds up 100%. But if somehow we get a, you know, a season two or a, you know, a mini series part two or something like that, I'll still be stoked. 
if it's Lindelof doing it and he feels like he can come up with another story to keep going with this or something like that, I'm totally down for it. I would, I would sign up for that in a heartbeat. But if this is where it ends and everything like that, I still think they did a fantastic fucking job. Um, for me, my score for this, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go over you, Justin. I'm gonna give this 99 gigantic blue Doctor Manhattan vibrators out of 100. <laughs> wow, I think that's the highest score you've given anything, isn't it? Uh, it ties John Wick. Did John Wick get higher. Than it ties that? John Wick. Yeah, okay. Uh, but I think I did. Wow. I think I did recently bump John Wick up to 100. So maybe it's either way. Um, yeah, no, it's a, I really did. I I I'm not lying when I said this is probably one of the best series I've ever watched. And like I said, it just felt so rewarding and so smart and so just fucking great. Um, so let's go into spoilers. This is the spoiler section now. So if you don't want spoilers, yeah, hit the stop button because we're going to get some spoilers now. I, w- I want to start spoilers off with just saying, holy fuck, that Dr. Manhattan reveal was amazing. Yes. Oh, I <laughs> fucking loved it. Oh, it was so fantastic. And they, sh- they, they, they hinted at it nonstop. With that, they hinted uh, Lori Blake talking about how, uh, you know, like her physical attraction to Dr. Manhattan and all this other stuff and and her talking about Cal like the same way and all this other stuff, which makes sense because he's fucking Dr. Manhattan. Just holy fuck, that was so fucking great. And then the next episode when they did the backstory leading up to how Dr. Manhattan and her got in that situation. Oh, that was so fucking good. Um I didn't mention him in the non-spoiler section, and I did that slightly intentionally because I wanted to talk about him as Dr. Manhattan. But what's his name? Uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. I am butchering the fuck out of his name, and I am so terribly sorry. Um, we talked about- I want to say it's Yahya. Yahya. Is it Yahya? I believe that's how you say it. Yeah, yeah. I believe so. I need to learn his name because he's fucking great. Uh, I mentioned him in another episode uh, talking about him because he is in- Aquaman. He plays the Black Man, uh, Manta in Aquaman. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be, and I mentioned him in, uh, in the New Year's episode because we were talking about uh, things we're excited about. And he's going to be in Candyman. Um, but yeah, I, he was he was fucking great. Like he did so good playing Cal and then so good playing Dr. Manhattan. And I really liked the way they did the visuals with Dr. Manhattan. You got a few scenes of seeing him be the ultra CGI glowing Dr. Manhattan. But then when they just did the scenes as essentially it was Cal, but blue because he had taken Cal's body and all this other stuff. Well, taking the shape of his body, it added this perfect amount of humanity to that character. And I know the point of that character is to not have humanity, but because of his story arc and how he kind of craved it, like getting some of his humanity back. So, you know, when he, before he becomes Cal, you know, he was still very much Dr. Manhattan. And then after he becomes Cal, he's that Cal-Manhattan hybrid. And that made that story just so much more intricate in, in, in such a subtle way, you know. They could have easily just gone to blue, glowy Dr. Manhattan. But they made the intentional decision. And it could have been budgetary. I could be completely, you know, giving them all this credit that they didn't actually... They were just like, we don't have the money to do that the whole time. We're just painting you blue. Um, But... It, to me, it felt like it added that little bit, you know, because in the original Watchmen comics, he talks about how, you know, when he died, he was alone. When he was getting ripped apart um, by the, uh, was it the intrinsic field generator, whatever the fuck it was. Like, you know, he's being ripped apart and he was alone. And in, the, in this, when he was dying or he knew he was going to die, the one thing he didn't want to be is alone. 
Like he kept yeah. Angela there. And I thought that was so beautiful. And and it, it still fit as much as Dr. Manhattan is such this detached asshole. And I love that they call him out in this too. You know, uh, Hooded Justice calls him out on it. And he's like, yeah, for as powerful as he was, did he do enough? You know, and I thought that was so great that they called him out. But at the same time, showed what he wanted to be. And even though he's as powerful as he was and all this other stuff, it was a struggle for him to get there. And he had to sacrifice so much to get there. And oh, it was just so fucking fantastic. And, you know, those scenes with him, I think that's what really sealed the deal that made this 100% a Watchmen sequel. You know, because without Dr. Manhattan, is the Watchmen the Watchmen, really? And as much as I was loving, no. as much as I was loving it up until then, because I was, because what that the episode, what extraordinary being or whatever was the episode before the, the Dr. Manhattan reveal. And we talked about that in a little bit without spoilers. Yeah. That's the best episode of television ever. And I was still 100% hooked, but it wasn't 100% Watchmen yet. And then just the way they brought in, in Dr. Manhattan just sealed the deal. Like it went, it went from being, you know, 80% Watchmen to 100% bona fide Watchmen greatness with how they brought in Dr. Manhattan and just all the things he said, those scenes where he's just talking about how he's experiencing things through time all simultaneously. That was so fucking great how they did that. Yes. And you would think it would be so easy for it to be confusing because while he's, while him and uh, um, Angela are having that conversation at the dinner table and he's, existing in all these different places in time and he's explaining it to her and they're having this conversation man you would think with the jumping back and forth and everything like that that it would be so easy to be confused but they found a way and that's just impeccable writing it was so easy to follow and easy to understand even though that is complex as hell but they found a way with the writing and what they were showing you visually to perfectly show how it all went together. You know, like he would say something to Angela like, oh, um, you know, she would say, well, you're uh, very creative. And then he would kind of laugh or scoff and go, huh, at this exact same time, somebody is telling me that I'm not very creative. And then later on in the episode, they show you that that he's talking about when he when he's talking to Angela. They show the scene with him and Ozzy Mendes, and and Ozzy tells him, you know, you're not very creative. When they were coming up with this solution for how he could suppress his memories and be more human, so he could have this human relationship, he says that line to him, and then it cuts back to the dinner table conversation. And you see him scoff again. And so it just was so fantastic how it made it easy to follow and put it all together visually for the audience. So, I mean, bravo for making something very complex so simple. Yeah. And like I said, you know, the uh, the episode about Hooded Justice, um, like I said, that, that episode names The Extraordinary Being is, like I said, probably the best episode of television ever. Um, with the way they handle it. But that's not my favorite episode of this season. I think that my, my favorite episode this season, though, uh, was it, it's episode five. It's The Little Fear of Lightning. And it's the backstory for The Looking Glass. And that was good. Yeah. And they show that fucking squid. And it was amazing. 
it was fucking glorious. Like I said, they talked about the squid, and I like the fact that they talked about the squid because, like I said, it makes it a sequel to the comics and not the movie. And they talked about the squid, and they talked about the squid, and then they showed it. They had the balls to show a gigantic fucking squid in New York. Oh, that was fucking great. And the one of my favorite things about this TV show is the fact that it it did this amazing job of retconning the comic without actually changing anything from the comic. They just took little moments from the comic and expanded upon them in their own way that doesn't change the comics at all. Like the history of Hooded Justice, the fact that he's a black guy, that's not in the comics, but the way they wrote it into the story doesn't change who Hooded Justice is in the comics at all. You know, um, the way they wrote. Yeah. And just, no, 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 go ahead. Oh no. All I was going to add was just to, to what you were saying about Hooded Justice, because from what I remember and understand they never revealed who Hooded Justice was, right? Like he was one of those where it was never revealed who he was. We knew that he was a homosexual. We knew that Um, there were some other details about him, but he never really revealed himself, right? Yeah, yeah. He never never takes off the mask. We we never knew. Yeah. Cool. And, and, And I think that that was just such a wonderful and profound reason for him not to take off his mask because it wasn't because he was hiding his face. He was hiding his race. And I mean, at a time like that and everything going on, and then you could understand like when the other, um, uh, like when that other guy talked to him and was trying to get him in the minute, man. And he was like, man, they can't know that a black person influenced all of this, that they can't know that the first real hero that went out there was black. So you've got to hide yourself. You've got to people will not accept that if they know that it was a black person doing this. I mean, what a great reason to put on a mask. Like what a great reason. And just that whole story of, Will Reeves being this officer and trying to do things the right way, but then the world crumbling around him and just all the racist cops on the force and him trying to do right. But uh, obviously, um, you know, these white cops wouldn't let him do that. I mean, all of that was just wonderful. And I thought that that was just such a great I mean, it just makes me go down. Why didn't anybody, why didn't anybody think of this? Like, why did it take this long, 2019, for somebody to think of that idea? And it was just, like you said, it was just such a great tie-in to that Hooded Justice character and made perfect sense. Of course he would never take his mask off if this was the situation. So I thought that was wonderful. Yeah, and like I said, it doesn't change the comics, but it deepens them. And it's just so fucking great. And even right down to like, um, like I said, the the little fear of lightning, it shows the ramifications of what happened in New York that day. Like it shows it. And that was fucking great. That was such a fucking great way to, to show on a personal level the way that that can affect things. And mm-hmm. it was so fucking good. Like I said, it doesn't change the comics. It just deepens what happened in them. And... You know, to me, it shows the difference between... I think Zack Snyder really liked The Watchmen. He really liked the comics. Lindelof, that fucker loved the comics because 
he treated them with such care and such attention with how he adapted some of those things into this that you really can just tell that he knew he knew those comics inside and out. Like I said, nothing he does actually contradicts the comics. All he does is take little things and adds to them. And it was so fucking great. I loved the way they did Lori Blake's character in this. How as she grew older, she kind of became her dad. This, you know, very jaded fucking person. Like after seeing all the shit she yeah. saw, like she became the fucking daughter of the comedian. And that kind of fits too, you know? And uh, and uh, and as you were saying too, with the whole portrayal of, of Hooded Justice and stuff like that, you know, that might seem like that's just like PC culture woke shit. But no, that's a very realistic thing. If you're looking back at shit in the 19 fucking, you know, 20s and 30s, yeah, no, a superhero can't say, oh yeah, he's a superhero because he's black. Or, you know, we're all superheroes because of this black guy. You can't do that then. You know, that would have destroyed probably the Minutemen. Because some of them would have been against it. And I really appreciated that. The, the fact that he, they were very realistic about things. You know, they did the yeah. whole reparations with the, the the Tulsa massacre and stuff like that. And then you just had... Redford Nations. Yes, Redford <laughs> Nations. And you just had these fucking white people that just were instantly against them for it. And it's just one of those things yeah. that, like, it made complete sense. Because it's like, if your family... Like, in the way they did it, it wasn't like everybody in America got, like, these referred nations. It's if you're, if they could biologically, like, and genetically trace you back to your family being in Tulsa at that time, you got some money because of what happened. And, yeah, which wouldn't have been, that's not the craziest idea in the world. It's not. Like, yeah, we might be progressive assholes or whatever, but it kind of makes sense <laughs> that they would give reparations for something like that. You know, I don't think that that's out of line, but there was some, there was a jadedness behind it. And I know there was a lot of backlash to this because they were like talking about how, well, you know, why are all these people that like Rorschach racist and all this other stuff? That's, you know, it's just PC woke culture bullshit. Look at the character of Rorschach. No, that's kind of who he was. And that's the kind of, I don't want to say the joke behind it, but that's kind of the point of whenever Rorschach turned in his journal exposing Ozymandias for what he was going to do, what he was doing and all this other stuff that was to this weird conspiracy theory, alt-right, you know, newspaper. So it makes sense that those are the type of people that would worship Rorschach would be these conspiracy theory, racist assholes. Cause that really is who Rorschach was. Rorschach is in no way, shape or form a character that anybody should identify with and feel okay with it. I mean, they openly talked about how he smelled bad all the time because he never bathed or changed his clothes. Yeah. Like, he's not a good character. <laughs> like, he's not. I mean, I I understand he's kind of got that moral righteousness that I can see being appealing because that's kind of a spin on Batman, that moral righteousness. And But to me, it, ta yeah. it takes it to an extreme that Batman doesn't go to. But, yeah, that's who he is. He's that morally righteous character that where there's no black and white, which is ironic because of the Rorschach elements of it all, but there's no ambiguity to the way he feels about things. You're either good or you're bad. That's it. That's all there is to him. And without that moral grayness to anything in his life, in a way he became a jaded asshole to the way the world really works. And so all these people 
you know, being the the seventh son or whatever the fuck those people were called, all being Rorschach masks and all this other stuff. No, that fits. And I'm sorry, but if you're upset with this TV show because of how they're portraying those type of people and stuff like that, I mean, maybe ask yourself it's if it's because it's hitting a little too close to home. I'm just throwing that out there. Just ask yourself that. I'm not saying it is. I won't say that because if I did, then I'd be dealing with absolutes and I'm talking about how that's wrong. But I'm just saying, ask yourself, is it because it hits too close to home? You might be surprised with the answer. At least if you're honest with yourself, you might be surprised with the answer. Because I don't think the Watchmen is on that PC woke bullshit. Because it's not. To me, it's showing a version of shit that isn't a a facsimile of what the fuck we're dealing with right now in our fucking country. In so many ways. And I think it takes a very critical look at that. Good or bad. However you want to like, whatever your, you know, your stance is with some of that stuff. I think it looks at it in a very real way with that. You know, I mean, because even if you are like a diehard Trump supporter, I think in some ways it actually shows that type of mentality that liberal people can have with the same way towards their presidents and stuff like that. Like with Robert Redford in this, like, yes, they do show the conservative side of that with their, you know, love and adoration of Nixon in this. But I think it kind of shows it the same way with Robert Redford because, you know, this shows you that President Redford in this TV series knew what Mendoz did. He was informed that it wasn't an interdimensional being, that Mendez is the one that created this, created the squid and everything like that. He knew it and still used mm-hmm. it to his own gain, which is deplorable behavior. That's not something you want of your president, even if you like him. And I liked the fact that you know, whenever they arrest Ozzy Mendez at the end, which I thought was fantastic. I loved that they did that at the end of this. And yeah, they were talking about like, well, what would that mean for Redford and all this other stuff? And they're like, well, and you know, they're like, well, fuck it. We'll arrest him too. I thought that was fucking great. I really did. Yeah, it was, you know, and it, it's, I think that this just shows if you, if you, if you deal with it, if you deal with everything like it is us versus them against, against the mentality, no matter what, no matter what your beliefs are, if you always view things as us versus them, you're going to turn into a version of some of these characters. Yep. And that's for both sides of everything. There's no, I don't think there is a moral high ground in that argument of us versus them. Because if you believe that way, you're going to be intrinsically attached or in, in, in dug into your own bubble that you're going to be so unwilling to see anything else. And I love that because... So much of this, and so much of the original Watchmen too, deals with how that's bad. <laughs> Especially this, I love how it deals with it. If, if you put yourself in these bubbles, you're not going to see things for what they actually are. You're going to believe only what's in your bubble. And I think that that even falls into like, I don't want to say she's the main villain for this series, but she she kind of is the end villain with that Lady True. Yeah. Because she was the same way. She was 100% sheep, and I and I do believe it, that her character believed that if she became Dr. Manhattan, her character believed she could fix the world. But even Mendez says, like, the fact that she wants that power makes her no different than the seventh son guy wanting to become God to, you know, mm-hmm. make white people, you know, number one again. They might want two different things. But ultimately, they're the same because they want God power. And if you want God yeah. power... You don't deserve God power. And I thought that was such a beautiful way of saying that, that you have two different people wanting diametrically opposed things, but they want to do the same things to achieve it. And they're both wrong because of that. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great message. You know, and 
That was also one of my favorite scenes in this where, what's his name? He put uh, the the head seventh son guy, that, that congressman, he puts on that Dr. Manhattan Speedo and he gets in that, that little thing and he's like, I'm going to become Dr. Manhattan. And then they do the thing and he's still Dr. Manhattan. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then that guy just imploded into a pool of blood. Man. That was so fucking fantastic. That was it was it was a great little twist of the ending of the comic or even the even the movie. That whole like you know Ozzy Mendoz is like I figured out how to destroy you and he does it and he's like haha I won and then Doctor Manhattan all big and shit rips off the roof of his house and is like motherfucker I the first thing I ever did was put myself back together and you think you can stop me? It was just a it was it was a twisted version of that of. If you have that hubris that you can do this. And the funny thing is, is she did. She had the hubris and the ability to become Dr. Manhattan. Um, but this guy didn't. And he was just so blinded by becoming Dr. Manhattan that he just like, yeah, he disintegrated into a pool of blood. And it was just utterly fantastic. And I just absolutely loved that little twist. And her little her little quip afterwards of just, oh, if you don't filter the atomic energy, what happens? You become this. And you're just like, well, there you go. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> yeah. All right, there you go. But I mean, I'll, I'll 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 let you go now. But yeah, it's just one of those things that this series just was so great on so many of these details, and it was just it was the little things that made it work. And I mean, the final thing I want to address is one of the most off the wall characters that makes an appearance in one episode, but apparently had a deep background type of thing going online uh, for this like a like a like a little sister website that HBO had going for this. And it was the character of Lube Man. And it's just this little fantastic character. In one of the scenes, he's running away from uh, Regina King's character. And he just starts rubbing this oil all over himself and then just jumps and slides through a, through a, like a storm drain. And when you witness that happen, you're just like, what the fuck? And then the character's never back. And at first, it kind of feels like a plot hole. Not really, because I'm not going to lie. By the time this show ended, I kind of forgot about the character a little bit. And then I was reminded of him, and I'm like, oh, yeah. What the fuck was that? And if you actually went to the, their little sister website, which is like Peter Peterpedia or something like that. I don't remember what the fuck it was. And it's this FBI agent who comes with Lori Blake. He's obsessed with superheroes. And he's kind of like, every after every episode, they put a post up, and it was like him doing a blog type of thing um, about superheroes and all this other stuff. And then the final one after the final episode wasn't him. It was a memo from an FBI director, because he was an FBI agent, talking about how this guy was more or less let go of because he went AWOL, because he just wanted to stay in Tulsa and just see superhero shit. And then they talk about how they find they found like a gigantic bottle of canola oil in his office, which is instantly a tie-in to the fact that he was Lube Man. He was him. He was Lube Man. And I just think it was great. Like I said, it's the small details that they were willing to do for this that made it fantastic. And just the fact that they actually did tell you who the character was without directly telling you who it was just showed just, like I said earlier, the love that Lindelof and his writing team had for, for the property of the Watchmen. So fucking good. That's really cool. That's cool. But yeah, what about you? What, what are your, uh, what are your more spoilery thoughts on this Watchmen show? Uh, well, for me, um, the it's definitely true that the, the initial few episodes are are for sure intriguing and everything like that. But yeah, as the as you dive deeper into the story and as you get into the latter half of the episodes, I think that 
that's when it is its most Watchmen. It's when you get Dr. Manhattan in there and then everything that kind of happens towards the end, you know, it feels really, really super comic booky or at least super Watchmen toward the end of it. But some of my favorite things were just the things that happened earlier that were th- that were leading up to that. We we talked a lot about um, the, the Tulsa 1921 um attack and everything like that. I think we talked enough about that. But the Redfordations, that was something that really just kind of stuck out to me. And what I loved about it uh, was not only that they showcased that, but I loved just how they showed the, the reactions of people, like how you have one of the kids is in the classroom and, um, uh, you know, they're in the classroom and Regina King is there doing uh, talking about how she's an officer and she's doing this and doing that and her career and everything. And she's talking about I forget. I want to say she was talking about a house or that they moved and she had a house, something like that. And one of the students bust out with, oh, did you pay for that with Redfordations? And just this idea that you have this white student saying that to somebody who was a guest at the school and this is the exact thing that you could see white people talking about if black people were to get this money some sort of reparations and were and then started prospering or buying something with that money and stuff like that you just have to believe that there would be this sect of white people not everybody some white people would be like oh yeah you know of course they uh, we understand they deserve it but you could totally see their see that there being this sect of white people that are just like i hate that they got that money it's stupid that they got that money. Like, why do they get, why did they get to have this money and look at us? Even just the interest in things that they show, like, you know, you've got like, like the, like Regina's character, Angela, you've got this black woman with this family and they're living in the better parts of towns. They've adopted white children. You know, normally in our society, all of these things are opposite, right? Like, you know, you've seen a lot of the the white families that adopt kids from Africa or other countries and stuff like that. And yes, that's a noble thing to do. I'm not hating on those families and stuff like that. But, you know, I just like how this, but I said that to say, I love how this show just kind of showed the reverse of that. Look, if they had money and opportunities and things like that, this is what would happen. This is how some people would react and different things like that. And then, um, and, and, and just even, you know, the stakes of it, like if these white supremacists have the power of God, what would they do with it? And that felt like real stakes. Like you're like, oh, damn, man, that's scary to think about. Like just even things like that are were just scary to think about. And it just gave the show stakes that just real stakes that really on levels that are are on levels that make you think about the real ramifications because you know that some of this actually exists in our society and then applying it to those comic book situations i just thought the intermixing of that was great and what you said about how it it, it showed how you could have these two people that want this power 
with these two. And even though they have opposing views on how to use that power, like you said, the, the, the fact that they both wanted that, that was the problem. And the interesting thing about Dr. Manhattan character that, that just made that whole thing resonate with me is that the, Dr. Manhattan had all of this power, yet and still was willing to go through the the pain of being broken and split apart and giving that up if it meant that he could have just some human time, just some time to be a human and love someone and have children and then be dependent on him and everything like that. He had created this paradise and had and created his own Adam and Eve and you know, had gotten inspiration uh, for how for how he wanted to create them. Um, and, you know, they were at his beck and call and everything was just perfect in that. What was it called? Uh, what was what did he call that place that he created? I don't Utopia? remember what he called. No, well, it was it was it was a utopia, but it was on Europa. Your Europa. Was, yes. Yeah, moon yes. Europa. That's the word. Yes. Yes. So he had created all that there. And was still dissatisfied, like just bored, just it was unfulfilling for him. And even in that perfect scenario where you, you're this God and these people, you, you've created the, this whole place and these people worship you and everything like that. Still, the beck and call to be more human, the beck and call to have those emotions, the beck and call to experience that was still calling to him, still seemed more appealing than what he was doing. And then the great thing about Adrian Vite is that he sent, when he told Vite what he created, he sent, Vite was like, oh man, that sounds like a paradise to me. I've got everything you created, this whole place and everything is perfect. And you've got these, these people that you created at your beck and call. That sounds like paradise to me. And even he, <laughs> after living in all of that perfection, all these people at his beck and call, even he wanted to get out of there. So I think there's just something wonderful about that. Like the fact that this guy created this utopia on Europa and still was more willing to have those human moments, to have that love and everything like that, even if it meant the end result would be a tragic ending and he would be broken apart completely and have to feel that. But just the fact, like you said, that he wouldn't have to experience that alone, that somebody that he loved would be there to experience that with him. That to me is just one of the greatest messages of the show. Like just that right there, you know? Yeah. yeah. And they, they, they expand upon it too, because if you think about it, both of the goals of the villains, if you will, were to create their own versions of utopia, you know? Yes. That one was yeah. a, the, the haven of white people being, you know, the most powerful thing in the, the world again. And the other one was, you know, a world world without bombs and all this other stuff. Both of those are a version of utopia, but it also showed that if they had won and created that, they would probably have been ultimately dissatisfied with it too. Yes. You're, you're so right. Yes. That's exactly what that shows because you had two people, genius level people, right? Dr. Manhattan, of course, knows that and knows and experiences everything. And then you add Vite. 
You had Ozzy Mendes. And they both, like you said, the fact that, so it's already showing you, like you said, this is what would have happened if either one of those people, Lady True or or, or um, the 7th Cavalry guy, he, if either one of those people would have gotten that, like you said, that's what would have happened. That's what ultimately would have happened. And what is more important is that what Dr. Manhattan was trying to have. And even just that conversation, like when she was like, why would I want to invest when Angela and met Dr. Manhattan are having the conversation? And she's like, why would I want to invest in this if it's just going to end tragically? And then that line about doesn't all don't all relationships end tragically. And that was just like that blew my mind. I was like, oh, damn, you know, OK, OK. All right, Watchmen, I got you. OK, Dr. Manhattan, I, I, I see what you mean by that. But it's still worth that investment, man. Yeah. Like th for those moments that you get, for those things that you get, it's still worth it. You know how it's going to end. We're going to all be old and saggy and fucking dead. And sometimes you don't even know, see that shit coming. And it's going to be, oh, you're going to leave people behind. It's going to be awful. But is it still worth in having those moments, being with those people, being with the, not just not just a man woman relationship but any relationship is it still worth investing that time and dr manhattan tells you it is well even on top of that the way mateen acted those scenes where dr manhattan was excited about becoming human again because he didn't know what was mm. going to happen yes those were so yes. fucking good like just the idea of the not, knowing. not knowing excited him was just so fucking it was it was beautiful the way they did those scenes just those little things like i said of him just being like well what, what could happen if you did this and he's like i don't know and you're like oh like and he was just so happy with that and it was just those moments were so genuine and so fucking great that it it, it made it that much more real with how they were doing those scenes with him yeah yeah and it makes you just think about ourselves and what we think about and how we always seem to want to know everything. What's going to happen if I invest in this? What's going to happen if I get with this person? What's going to happen? You know, that that's a big thing in our society. We always want to be able to see the future or know what's going to happen before it happens. Or we're, you know, whether you're talking about fortune teller gimmicks that we spend money on or whatever the case may be, we, 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 we are fascinated with wanting to know the future before it happens, but it's really the experiencing and the it's the not knowing and it's investing and taking that risk is really where the rewards are. You know that journey is where the rewards are and, of and not knowing how it's going to end. The, the that's where the real gold is. Uh, you know, or at least, and I don't know if that's what this is saying, but. Just showing that God perspective of this is somebody who knows everything, exists everywhere in time, but look what he actually wants. He wants something that we already have. So it just makes you think about yourself. And, you know, sometimes the things that we want or say we want or want to know, do would we really be better off knowing those things? You know, it just makes you think about that. Well, I mean, I, I totally think that you're right with what that, that that's some of the message with this, because a lot of people, they're getting hung up on like the main plot points 
you know, like we talked about, like with the reparations and, and the, some of the racial tensions and stuff like that, that they don't want to give this show a chance because of those aspects. When I truly feel like some of the deeper message in this t- TV show is about just humanity as a whole, like regardless of mm. of your race or anything like that. Like you said, those moments of just, you know, wanting to find love and a purpose and, you know, is knowing everything worth it? And or is or is what really makes life worth living not knowing what's going to happen next? And like you said, taking that risk and just being in the moment and just trying to connect no matter what it means with other people. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I truly feel like that was part of the message of the show. Like, the, you know, I don't think that that was an unintended consequences of the, the them just, you know, having Dr. Manhattan. I feel like that was very much their intention. And like I said, I think that that is the more important message I feel than some of the other stuff. Because I do think that the other stuff lends itself to that message. That if you see that if you look be you know beyond you know racial you know divisions, and if you look beyond you know even financial divisions, and you look beyond all these things, like on a basic human level, that's kind of all what we're we're trying to find. We're trying to find a purpose. We're trying to find just a love of some sort. It didn't even if it's not with a person, just a love of something in your life. Yeah, like that. That's like yeah. the most common and grounding aspect of humanity. And I think that that's woven all over this fucking show. Uh, you take the Looking Glass character of him going and in, in being a, a person in like a in a I survived the squid attack support group. You know, even that aspect of it, I still think speaks to that overall message. Of these people that went through these, like lived through the whole shit in New York or had loved ones die in the squid attack on New York and all this other stuff. And them just trying to find connections with each other, with other people that mm. understand what they're going through, you know? I mean, even if you look down to, like I said, I was talking about that little FBI agent who was fascinated with the idea of superheroes, that he just wanted to get connected to that. And that's why he wanted to be with Lori Blake and wanted to go to Tulsa where, you know, they did have masked vigilantes and stuff like that. He wanted to experience that moment because he wanted that connection with that because he felt like that that was the purpose of his life was to, you know, kind of like he felt like, you know, in a way he might have been born in the wrong generation because, you know, vigilantes weren't allowed anymore now where he could have been one in the, you know, the good old days and all this other stuff. Or, I mean, when you look at the Minutemen, you know, there was just a group of people that wanted to be connected, you know, to be vigilantes and stuff like that. Like, I just think that that was a hugely common theme in this TV show. And I think that they just wove yeah. it throughout all these aspects. I mean, uh, William Reeves character about just wanting to be a cop and wanted just to feel that yeah, connection. Could it just, yeah. yeah, he wanted to feel that connection with 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 justice. He wanted to be a cop. He wanted to do good. He wanted to do what was right. Yes. And other people yeah. wouldn't allow him because yeah. of because of the color of his skin and because of all this other stuff. He was denied his ability to do that, to just be a cop and to do what he wanted to do with that. So then he had to become a vigilante, you know? Yes. And and even though he lost his family, that wasn't his real love. That love was from the was like you said attaining some measure of justice, feeling like he got that measure of justice against those people who he really felt uh, were wronging others and things like that. And with him, 
it was always kind of that racial fight, just everything that he experienced with Tulsa in 1921. Then, like you said, a cop on the force and then having tried to get all of those people. And then ultimately it led him to that last cop. Um, oh my gosh. What was the one that he, uh, hypnotized and to hang it himself. Well, it was Don that Johnson's guy, character. That was, yeah, Don Johnson's character. And he was a good character too, man. Like you said, he was, he was great in this too. But yeah, even down to him just having to have, get that last one, man. You know, like he, you know, he's in a wheelchair at this point and everything. But he saw that through to the end. That was his love, like you said. Yeah, and I, I just, I loved how they, they showed it universally. I mean, even if you look at the Seventh Cal Calvary, and I'm so glad that you actually said what they were, because I kept calling them Seventh Son. So I'm so glad you corrected me on that. Um, the, even them, they felt like in, it, they might have been wrong on why, like seeing it on racial divisions, but still, part of their story is they felt like they lost some of their sense of community because of reparations mm -hmm. and because of black people. And so that was them looking for the yeah. community they felt like they lost in each other. And unfortunately, that just bred more racism, you know. But it was still about them yes. looking for that community to belong to and to give them purpose. It's still a part of that story. Um, you look at Lady True, who wanted to not get revenge on, well, she part of it was get revenge on Dr. Manhattan, but she wanted to undo the world's ability to do what happened to her home country of Vietnam. Cause in this alternate universe, it becomes the 51st state because America and Dr. Manhattan just destroy the fuck out of Vietnam and win the war. Yeah. So like that was her way of restoring the community that she felt like she lost and her mother lost and stuff like that. Like, I truly feel like that is the most beautiful story in this TV show is that story of people trying to find those connections and that it, it, it extends so far that essentially God himself wants the same thing. And that's just so yep. fucking beautiful. Yep. Watchmen, ladies and gentlemen. Watchmen. Yeah, this is that comic book <laughs> bullshit that apparently is not cinematic to you, Martin Scorsese. Fuck off. Yeah, man. Look, Come on, Martin, man. You would have appreciated this, Martin, man. Dude, you would have appreciated this, bro. You know, and the funny thing is, is it, it has that storyline that's not the storyline of the original Watchmen, but it still kind of is. Because if you look back at the original Watchmen, that's more or less what Rorschach was looking for. That's what Night Owl was looking for. That's what the Silk Spectre was looking for. That's what all these people were looking for. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's what they were all missing. You don't you don't look at the Watchmen and kind of think about it as this, you know, that basic human urge to belong in a community. Because regardless of anything, since we are primates, and we're, we're, we're not even going to get into that argument, but we're, we're social creatures that we all, we all search for a community to belong to in something and yeah in some ways the internet has made that good and bad like you know you're you know you're fine you're able to find you know anything if you're just somebody that really likes weird green fuzzy socks and that's all you ever want to wear you could at least find a community of 15 other people in the world that also feel the same way and you can actually all talk about it together that's kind of amazing but then at the same time if you're all like asshole people you can also all find each other and then just grow a little asshole bubble too. So, I mean, it, it's good and bad, but I mean, that's still what we're all striving for. And yeah, this TV show just, it hits you right in the fucking face with that, that message. But at the same time, it doesn't cause it's just subtly woven in and out of everybody's stories. Yeah. 
that if you really, yeah. the, the series as a whole hits you with that message, but at no point does it sit there and write out on the screen that that's what it's fucking doing to make sure you get it. It just weaves it in and that ultimately that's just the outcome of it. And I just, I think that that's just such a fucking beautiful thing with this TV show. Wow. See, I don't know if anything else further needs to, anything else needs to be said. Yeah, man. I mean, See, now man, you understand why I'm giving this shit a 99. <laughs> I really loved this show. I really loved it. I get it. I get it. I totally do. Because honestly, that uh, did you want to talk about? Oh, go I ahead. I was just going to say that that's, and it's one of those things that like, that's not the message I thought I was going to be getting out of this TV show either. Because like I said, you're thinking a Watchmen TV show. I'm not thinking I'm going to get that message out of it. And just the fact that I did made it amazing. And like I said, that made me reevaluate the comic book and see that theme within some of the characters in that too. You know, like that, when I was talking about like the Watchmen or yeah, the Watchmen comic and like the Minuteman and, and Rorschach and Night Owl and stuff like that. I didn't think that when I read the comic, like that didn't, that wasn't like an overt thing I thought when I read it, it's because of this TV show. And then I went back and read the comic again and looked at it then. And I'm like, oh no, that's their story too. Like that's what was so fantastic. And it made me appreciate that aspect of the comic even more. Um, but what were you going to ask me? No, I was just going to say, so uh, did you want to discuss the ending real quick? Because there are people that are like, it ended ambiguous. There are people that are like, I know what the ending is, or is Dr. Manhattan dead or not, or anything was, like that. There are people I was, I was actually going to ask speculating you the same thing. on that. I was actually going to ask you the same okay. thing. Um, no, with that, uh, I'll just say like at the end, um, I don't think it's ambiguous. I don't. I think she has Dr. Manhattan's powers. Yeah. Yeah, I don't That's what I was going to say. I, I don't think it's ambiguous. They they foreshadowed it non fucking stop. She's got his powers. Like that's what it is, you know. And Yeah. And if and if anybody out there's confused about that or you need another clue, uh just look at the promotional material for this show and tell me what color Regina King is. Mhm. No, that's yeah, that's and a that's damn all good you point. Need to know. That's a damn good point. <laughs> that's all you need to do. They got, all, that's all you got to do. They got that blue light filter <laughs> on her. I mean, she's lit up yep. blue like a fucking Kmart blue light special. Yeah, that is your biggest clue right there. So if you was there was any doubt, did she get the pat? You didn't need to see her walk on the water on the pool. We know they they gave it to you. The first thing you saw is the last thing. Really, yeah. is the last idea they left with you. I mean, dude, <laughs> before you click watch. They showed you what it was was gonna happen. Yeah. That's why she's blue, man. Yeah, no, and it's <laughs> but it's one of those things. I don't know how anybody can feel like it's ambiguous. They literally spelled it out that that's what she was at the end. I mean, yeah, they literally just said over and over again, multiple times that that's what she was. You know, from the initial conversation she was having with Doctor Manhattan about, he's like, "Oh yeah, I can transfer my." He's like. I'm sure I can do it. I can just transfer it into organic material and they could eat it and have some of my powers. And he's like, oh yeah, I can walk on water. And then later he's like, oh, you just had to see me walk on water. Oh, look, an egg. Oh, that couldn't be the fact that he literally, when he, where he said, oh yeah, I could give my powers to somebody. And he's holding a fucking egg. Like, like yeah. it's just everything about <laughs> it was just screaming. Yes, she's got his powers at the end. Yeah, It's fucking great. Now, like oh, I yeah. am sad that they more or less kill off Dr. Manhattan as we know and love him, especially with the version of him that they, they made him in this TV show. If they had done that with the original Dr. Manhattan from the Watchmen and he hadn't been Cal and all this other stuff, it w I wouldn't have cared as much. I care that he's dead now because of how fucking great they made his character in this. Because like I said, they took the comic books, 
and they just made it deeper and it's so fucking good and yeah i'm so torn on whether or not i want this to continue or not like i almost feel like it was so good it doesn't need to continue like the half of me is like they don't need to do another story i think i i just maybe not you know and especially if if lindelof doesn't come back like what if somebody else is like hey i got inspired and i want to do watchman now no. and they green light you it slap him in the fucking I mean, face and I'm tell like, him no yeah and that's what I'm afraid of. Like, I'm afraid that if he doesn't decide to do it, then somebody else will. And then, and you know that they might, because like, they'll look at Lindelof and go, well, look, I mean, he, he took it and ran with it and did great. So why not this guy? And I'm like, no, man, it was just, it was almost too good. Like he just, uh, you almost just want it to end right there. Like, I don't want to see anybody else fuck it up. If this was like... anybody but HBO, <laughs> I would think that that's a possibility. I feel like HBO is mm. too smart to do that. I hope so. Because I really do. The thing is, is I've heard a rumor that Lindelof has talked about, like in meetings with HBO, there's only one other way he would continue this. And it's not what you're thinking. It wouldn't be the next part of this story. The one idea that Lindelof has that he says he might legitimately really want to do is kind of an anthology type of thing where they do another story that's just somewhere else in the same universe. Okay, okay. Where you might not have anybody returning. It's just brand new other characters somewhere else in this universe. And I kind of think that, that idea is fantastic. Yeah, that'd be the best way to go about it, for sure. The only other idea I've heard that... If it's not a direct sequel to this or not that anthology, the only other idea I've heard that I think would be good was somebody came up with the idea of what if they did another like six episode miniseries of just the story of Night Owl in prison. Oh, yeah. Something like Oz. That's out. But in the Watchmen universe. Oh, man. Yeah. That'd be crazy. Doesn't that sound slightly intriguing as fuck? Yes, it does, actually. Yeah. Yes, it does. Something like that. Just something different. You know what I mean? I think that, and I think that that's what made this special. And I kind of feel like if they did, if they did something like that, like I said, I kind of just don't want them to continue this story. I think it was great. And as much as I would love to see Regina King as Dr. Manhattan, because I kind of do want to see that. I feel like that would tick a lot of boxes and of awesomeness. I kind of just want to see something. I, I, I want to see him really flex his creative muscles and just... Do something, in, like I said, in a different area. Like, what if he did an episode of this, like, or he did, like, a, a nine episodes of, like, what the fuck was going on in L.A. 30 years after The Watchmen or Florida. I mean, he did it in fucking Tulsa, Oklahoma. It made it captivating as fuck. Like, what if he just does it in, like, New Haven, Connecticut? Like, you, you know, even closer to, you know, ground zero with the squid and tells a story mm. going down over there or something. You know what I mean? Just something like that. Yeah, I think something like that. That'd yeah, be beautiful as fuck. Then you could legitimately go away from the characters we know and just explore humanity. You don't need to have Laura, Laura Blake in it. You don't have to have Doctor Manhattan since you've already done that and you've already set this up and already made it a part of the Watchmen. Just do something else with it. I think that would be great. You know, just something small yeah. like that. I think would be fun. Or like I said, just Night Owl in jail. Like that's that sounds intriguing as fuck. Especially if it was on HBO, because Oz is so fucking great. Oz is a fucking fantastic oh, show. And you do that with Night Owl in prison. Oh, all the possibilities in the world of fucking greatness. 
<laughs> I just love that idea so fucking much. You know that would be sick, dude. Yeah, that would be dope for real. No, I'm I'm 100 down for that. Um, I do want to bring up one little thing, one small thing, real quick before we go. The funny thing is, is around this, you know, this time that this is coming out, DC has actually been writing, like, actually had coming out a kind of semi sequel series to the Watchmen called Doomsday Clock. Um, it was a 12 issue series. It took two years to come out. It was fucking ridiculous. But it was their way of integrating the Watchmen into the greater DC universe. And it, it was it was written by Jeff Johns, who, if you're a DC Comics fan, you know who that is automatically. Um, but he he's kind of DC Comics like golden boy when it comes to stories. He's the one that more or less revamped completely like Green Lantern and did like the darkest or the blackest night stuff and all this other stuff. And he kind of made Green Lantern like a legit character now and like the new 52 stuff and all this other stuff. And he wrote this doomsday clock stuff and all this other stuff. And I don't want to spoil that for people, but I just want to give this impression real quick that at best it is a meteor mediocrely. Okay. Story. But the sheer fact that this came out, between the like the eleventh and twelve issues, the eleventh and twelfth issue of the Doomsday Clock story, and just knocked it out of the fucking park, makes Doomsday Clock feel worse. And damn it, <laughs> damn it's terrible. I mean, I'll kind of spoil it a little bit. Uh, they more or less, you know, all the the revamps and all this other stuff in the DC universe over time, like you know, doing the Infinite Crisis and you know the those entire Universal reboots they've done. Over the years, um, apparently that was Dr. Manhattan fucking with the timeline and all this other stuff. And then in the end, his story becomes he realized Superman is just so good in all the different alternate timelines that he's done and all this other stuff that Superman is the most important thing in DC and it made him fix everything again. Like Dr. Manhattan changed his mind and fixed everything because of how great and good Superman was. And I'm like, did this have to become a gigantic fucking handjob to Superman? Isn't that what DC is anyway? Like, why did you need to taint Dr. Manhattan and the Watchmen to stroke off Superman again? Like, it was just the most terrible fucking thing ever. Wow. And I figured, the funny thing is, you say that, and I damn near predicted that. I was like, because people were sharing pictures of Superman versus dr manhattan and of course there were people going man dr manhattan would just kill him or dr manhattan would just snap his fingers and he would go poof dr manhattan would just destroy him and other people were like well superman could do this and do that and they were arguing about it and all i could think when i saw the pictures is that uh, and i was just like dr manhattan wouldn't kill him because there would be some reason i I said this like in my head i remember seeing those pictures and going man this wouldn't even really be a fight because dr manhattan would probably deduce that superman is important and either would allow himself to to be defeated or would have this higher level reason for why he couldn't do anything to superman and i can't believe i was totally right i mean that shit was just so predictable like I literally had that thought. Like, I didn't know exactly, but I was like, it'd have to be one of these two things because uh, I literally had that thought when I saw that they were putting them together in a fight. And I was like, there's only one way that could go. You know, Dr. Manhattan would have to choose not to kill him. And I was, I can't believe I was that close to that. And it was such a bullshit reasoning too. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's like, like it's not it's not a not logic it's not like this great logical like cold detached Dr. Manhattan reasoning. It's DC handjob reasoning. And I think that that's why it pissed me off. Is it's just DC yeah. just stroking Superman's dick. And I'm just like come the fuck on. Like really we're really doing that in this. It's fucking terrible. It really is. And they also introduce characters that are like villains in the Watchmen universe that weirdly actually possibly have superpowers. And that was weird. Like they legitimately brought superpower type of people to the Watchmen. And I'm like, that. And I'm just sitting here thinking, Jeff Johns, have you read the Watchmen? The only one that legitimately has superpowers is, is Dr. Manhattan. The rest of them are just people. Now, Ozzy Mendoz is an above average person, which, and I loved that aspect of him too, because how many times like back in the day, were you reading, uh, looking at the back of a superhero trading card? And it would like talk about their attributes and stuff like that. And, you know, like every, you know, competent superhero always had like, you know, at least above average agility and above average strength and more than a normal human this. And like, and I liked that that, that's what the joke that Ozzy Mendoz was, that he was just like peak human condition, that he was faster than other people just because he trained himself to be faster than people. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I loved about Ozzy Mendoz is that was kind of a, yeah. a, that joke of why are all superheroes Olympic level gymnasts? Whereas he was yeah. because he was like trained himself to be a gymnast. Like he was just peak physical condition, you know, across the board. He was, you know, as strong as the strongest person. He was, you know, Olympic level gymnast. He was faster. He was stronger, smarter because he made himself that way. And I also love that they touched on that in this, that like, you know, they talked about how he never allowed himself to be like defiled by actually having sex, you know, because to him having sex was beneath him because to him that he had so much more to offer the world than that. And I thought that was a small little thing that I thought was great. It was just so Ozzy Mendoz. Like, you know, that happens and you're just like, oh, that's so Ozzy Mendoz. You know, just like you're like sitting there and saying the catchphrase for that's so Raven. That's so Mendoz. <laughs> That's so Ozzy. <laughs> That's so, <laughs> you know, but it was, it, it, it's, it's just, it's fucking great. Like, you know, I just, once again, I just want to say, I fucking love this TV show. Anything else for you, Justin? No, I am good, man. I thoroughly enjoyed it too. You guys need to watch this shit. Watch it, watch it, watch it. On that note, guys, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out at www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at cinema underscore slayers. Check us out on uh, the Facebook at cinema slayers podcast. Um, if you want any of our merch, uh, go to the, the the website and click the little merch button up at the top right hand corner and get some really cool merch. Or if you're looking to do a podcast yourself and all your people are a great distance away like we are and you want a really good service to help you record, um, check out Ringer, which is R-I-N-G-R, no E, and uh, use the code uh, CinemaSlayers, and you'll get a discount on that. Um, or if you don't remember to do all that, once again, go to the website. You'll see a little ringer button up in that top right-hand corner, and it'll take you right to the affiliate link, and you can sign up there. And everything works out the same, so check that out, guys. It's really great. It gives you individual tracks for mixing and stuff like that, or you can get them all together however you want to, and you know, really helps with the, the process of doing this at a distance and stuff like that, so check that out. And... Uh, you know what, Justin? I'm not even going to make fun of you tonight with the whole Moonlight, Moon Knight thing because I'm just feeling all happy about that Watchmen. So who watches the what? Watchmen? Yeah, who watches the Watchmen? I do, that's who. 
didn't even make a noise. I'm so proud of you.